Hi, this is the New Space India podcast, and uh, in this episode of the New Space India podcast, we have uh, Arvind Ravichandran, who's uh, based out of uh, France. Welcome, Arvind, to the show. Thanks, NP. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. You have done uh, like quite a lot of things in the space industry. You know, jumping up uh, from being in the software industry, then to you know getting into the space industry with consulting and so on. I get quite a lot of uh, questions around young people trying to enter the space industry, especially from India, given that there are quite a little number of opportunities for them beyond ISRO at the moment. So I wanted to take this episode to chat a little bit about, you know, how do you get into the space industry? What would be your experience? So to kick, to kick off this conversation, why don't we begin by having uh, you tell us about your journey into the space industry? Sure. Um, so I was already living in Europe, so I didn't move to Europe for the space industry. So it's it's a bit different. So I was fortunate that I was already in Europe and I was able to have the exposure and you know start meeting people already uh, in Europe. But I was in um, I was working in Berlin at that time in the software industry, and I had met a few people um, in a conference, and they had mentioned about uh, International Space University uh, in a conversation and I just got curious and I checked it out and it happened to be, uh, you know, a university that basically, uh, you know, has a program, you know, a summer program and as well as a one-year program that helps people get into the space industry by giving them, uh, you know, fundamentals of the space industry. Well, they, they call it the master's program. Uh, it's mostly, you know, uh, an introduction program into space, uh, which is kind of set up like a master's. So I did that. Um, I left my job. Uh, I decided to do that. And I did that um, four years ago, I think. And um, yeah, during the program, you're introduced into, you know, all the all the facets of space, you know, as you, as most of us know, but probably people outside the space industry wouldn't know that space industries, you know, has different disciplines. You know, you can be a lawyer in the space industry, you can be an economist in the space industry, you can be, a, of course, the engineer and the scientist and, uh, you know, the, the medicine part of it. So we were all introduced to all these domains. So, you know, it was a very good course for people who are outside the industry like me to get into the industry to get you know the fundamentals of um, what's going on in the space industry and then I you know kind of chose my career because I was in the business side of things when I was in the software industry so I decided to you know position myself um, in the consulting role so I joined uh, uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers PwC um, they have a space team so I joined their space team in the consulting team and I decided to, you know, specialize my, myself um, in the Earth observation uh, domain. You know, the the part of space for listeners who wouldn't know the the part of space that deals with, you know, uh, monitoring the Earth uh, through satellites in space. So I decided to specialize in that. And you know, because you're working in consulting, you work in other projects as well. So that was kind of my entry into the space industry. And I decided to, you know specialize in earth observation simply because I came from the software world and I see earth observation as just another source of data that is coming from space. So, um, so yeah, I decided to specialize there and, you know, that's how it got started. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds great. So one of the questions that I keep getting from a lot of uh, young people in India is, um, what is the, the entryway into the space industry, either 
you know within india or outside of india and a lot of the people have this perception that uh, they need to study you know like satellite uh, dynamics or astrodynamics or uh, something related to core satellite engineering and uh, often i see that maybe 90% of the jobs that are out there they can just need basic foundation engineering but applied to space uh, so what is your sense of uh, you know what is the break up of the kind of roles and the kind of jobs that are out there in terms of uh, percentages of uh, of jobs that are out there and the skill sets that are needed for them and the opportunities for them sure absolutely and yeah i mean from a geographic perspective obviously you know if you're looking at the number of jobs the number of jobs are of course they are higher outside india than ones in india because the ones in india are limited to isro and you know a few new space companies that are coming up so you know that's that's you know the the companies that you have already had on the podcast i suppose so you know in india those are the kind of jobs and you know of course the number are numbers are 10 times more um, if you compare it to europe so the from a skill set standpoint it's 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 really not needed because i keep telling people even when people i meet people when uh, when, when they ask me it's it's just not needed to have a aerospace engineering degree um to to get into the space industry um more you know a lot of jobs don't really require that uh, all you need to know is engineering so you know if if you look at it from you know just three perspective or let's say four um one i can call it the business domain where everything to do with consulting analyst marketing um and you know writing and all that uh, that can be you know one category the business category and then there is the technical category uh, or the engineering category where everything to do with systems engineering to satellite manufacturing assembly and testing um you know managing the 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 manufacturing process etc so you know the technical side and then there is the third and the fourth side which is kind of rare the third side being the 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 lawyer side where you know everything to do with space policy and then the fourth one being the medicine part of it of course the third and um, the fourth category the lawyer and the medicine category are very very you know rare of course you know you need to do plenty of research you you can't really it's very rare that you can get a job uh, you know as a space lawyer but you know that's not impossible to do there are a couple of people who specialize in um, in law and who have you know transition into the space industry that's still possible and the same with medicine you can have a medicine degree and you can be interested in space and then you can move on to you know doing some research on how the human body behaves um, in space and and all that so but the third and fourth category are pretty rare so i'm not going to focus on that um, but for the first and the second category there's a lot more uh, jobs in the engineering and the business discipline than people than what people think like like you rightly pointed out all you need to know is you know uh, basics of engineering and if you know how to you know if you if you've studied any sort of engineering it can be you know electrical it can be automotive it can be instrumentation the the fundamentals of that remain the same in in you know in the space industry's case the only addition comes from the fact that uh the the product that you're manufacturing or testing is is going to be in space so the only basics that you need to understand is um you know the foundations of space so you know you can do that via online course it's as simple as that today you don't even need to do a full fledged degree but you know like i said 
you can look out for schools like ISU and do a summer program, which I know a lot of people have already started doing to get into the space industry. So that can already give you an idea. So from, from a numbers perspective, I do believe that the engineering jobs are more, are, you know, uh, more frequently available than the, than the business jobs because the business jobs tend to be very specialized, like I said, in, 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 you know, in product marketing, in, in consulting uh, as a market analyst, etc. So myself, I'm an independent uh, consultant right now. Um, you know, so, and there are a couple of companies in Europe, you know, a couple of companies in the US which uh, which do have um, you know consulting positions that uh, that they recruit for but it's not you know if i have to give a percentage i would say it's 90% in the engineering side and 10% in the in the business side but you know the 10% can look small but if i if i'm being real the number of people who want to get into the engineering side is anyway higher than the number of people who are interested in the business side of things, if you know what I mean. So it's it's not impossible to get a job, you know, if you want to get into, if you're already a consultant and uh, you just want to get into the space industry or if you're already, I don't know, um, uh, you know, a marketing person and you want to get into the space industry, all you need to know is, you know, the fundamentals of space, you know, how the space industry works and also what's going on in the space industry, you know, listening to podcasts, uh, reading the news, and then you just get yourself up to date. And I can tell you that I already have seen people make the change. I have seen people who were in, um, you know, doing marketing for, I don't know, a software company, you know, transitioning to doing uh, marketing for, uh, for a space company or, you know, even consulting. I've seen people who were um, studying, you know, economics uh, or law, um, you know, transitioning into consulting. So, you know, even though I say it's a 90-10 split between technical and business, there are still some jobs available if, you know, if you approach it smartly. That's that's kind of how I would put it. In that sense, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, the numbers in India, for example, uh, can you take a wild guess, for example, as to how many jobs are created in India, for example, including, uh, let's say, in the new space startups or SMEs or ISRO for that matter, uh, for uh, for the space industry? Do you have any sense of it? Yeah, in the in the Indian space industry, the number of jobs, you know, there are, you know, I think there are close to 20, 20,000 20, people working in the Indian space industry overall, uh, or at least in, in ISRO overall. And you know probably a few more thousands in the in the private industry, but this number is just only going to grow in the next few years because of the privatization uh, happening uh, right now. Uh, for those following the Indian space policy, you know there is um, there are bills to privatize the Indian space industry more, which means that the jobs that are going to be available in private companies are going are going to get higher. So that's from the you know the public demand side. And also from, you know, just from the new space side, uh, I mentioned uh, before, there are a number of new space companies coming up and they are starting to recruit actively as well because, you know, companies like Pixel and and Drua Aerospace and Agnicool, they're all, you know, they are they all got, um, you know, VC investments uh, in the past few months, meaning they are going to grow, they are going to uh need people so there's definitely a lot of jobs that's again on the engineering side but i would argue for you know for every you know every uh, 10 jobs creator there's going to be at least one 
that is going to be on the business side of things or you know the legal side of things because these are all things that uh, are essential you cannot operate without a business person or um, you know or, or a person with a legal knowledge uh, that is going to get very very um, important in the next few years as well because and obviously those ones require experience so you know those are ones that are probably not going to be great for people who you know who just uh, have you know got out of university or you know have just a couple of years so you know for people who have experience in the legal side of things and the and the business side of things um, you know strategy business development marketing uh, they are all going to be you know available as well because you know from a just from a startup standpoint or from the private industry standpoint you do need to do a lot of business development once the company starts growing so there's going to be demand for them as well so so in, in india's case i think the the engineering jobs are going to be more and more available so you know for for people in india it's 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 a good time to get into the space industry i think from my own you know understanding of the last uh, 10 years or so having tracked a lot of these uh, young companies uh, come up and you know be invested the whole investment phenomena of course you know is only happening in the last 2 uh, or 3 years with major institutional investors coming and investing in new space startups and i guess today a fair number to say is that there are about 500 people who are working in all of these new space companies put together apart from the smes that already work with isro in that sense um and you know the recruit number num- the recruitment numbers for uh, isro maybe something like 350 or something like that maximum per year so and even if the smes you know are taking up new people uh, in uh, it may not be more than like 200 300 people so i in my own assessment you know i feel like there's probably a thousand uh, you know jobs created in in india uh, by all of these companies and uh, including isro put together yeah yeah no that's definitely only going to you know uh, go towards the thousand side rather than going down towards the 500 side simply because we have a lot of you know space missions coming up and um and yeah the demand is going to go because they are going to privatize it and you know it's 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 i think like the, like i said it's it's probably a good time to get into the indian space industry because there's uh, there's going to be more need in the in the next few years yeah definitely and for anybody who is uh, let's say uh, doing an undergraduate degree in india for example today what would be a pathway you know beyond the indian industry beyond local opportunities in india uh, is it easy for somebody to you know graduate and immediately get into a european company or uh, or an american company or, or you know how how easy is it for them to transition to other geographies in the space industry uh that's yeah that's a very important question because that's something what a lot of people um do want to do simply because you know there's not enough um opportunities in india available for for all the enthusiasts um for the space industry i would say well just on the outset that it uh, if if uh, you know pass an undergraduate degree that you want to get a job it is probably easier to do that in europe than in the us um simply because of you know the the us uh, space projects and missions being restricted or most of them being restricted to uh, you know itar the um, the legal uh, or the law that you know that does not allow uh, non us citizens to work on 
space-related uh, missions and space-related companies. And unfortunately, most of the space companies in the U.S. have, um, you know, a relationship with NASA or the U.S. DOD, which means that they are subjected to ITAR. And hence, you know, the, the requirement is to have at least a U.S. citizenship. So that, that's kind of unfortunate, although I, would, I wouldn't say that that's the case for all the space companies or all the opportunities in the, space, in the U.S. industry. But most of them tend to be that case. Uh, whereas in Europe, well, there are also a lot, of, you know, a lot of startups in the U.S. that people can get to. But simply just also from a visa perspective um, i mean at the time of this recording in in november we you know we think that you know it's going to be a new administration in the us and you know probably it's going to get easier to you know get jobs and move to the us so you know the non itar requiring jobs probably have you know they have a chance but you still have some you know visa uh, strict visa requirements to get through, uh, but in Europe, I think it's it's getting easier and easier. Um, at least you know, based on how it has been in the last few years, things could change in the next year or so because of COVID and you know how, uh, you know how the legal implications change. But Europe is definitely easier uh, simply because there's um, you know e I wouldn't say easy access, but easier access uh, compared to the US right now. And, um, and, and, you know, the, in terms of jobs, of course, the U.S. industry has more jobs for the space industry than Europe. But whatever is addressable for, you know, the Indian market is probably higher in, in Europe. Um, there are a lot of companies that one can get into. Of course, you know, uh, getting into working for European Space Agency is not possible. Uh, but, you know, you can, you know, get into... Uh, the contractors that uh, that build the spacecraft for for you know for uh, for European missions, you know, people can do their um, you know do their internships or do get a job in companies like Airbus or OHP or you know the new space companies as well. So it's definitely possible or easier to get into the European space industry. And once you've passed the undergraduate degree, I think all it requires is to you know kind of have a have an ambition of where you want to work in because you know that's where having an understanding of the space industry works because you know if your interest is in systems engineering and you know you want to work in I don't know communication related uh, uh, companies or you just want to work in a space company in systems engineering that is already better than having an idea of I want to get into working for a space company so it's important to kind of have an idea of which section of space or which domain of space interests you. For some people, it's exploration. But, you know, unfortunately, there are not a lot of exploration companies. There are a few. And, you know, then you can see how you can target them. But it's important to have. That's what I always tell people, to have a kind of, um, kind of a, you know, interest uh, based on their profile, what kind of domain they want to get into. So if you're an engineer and you want to, you know, do, you know, work in communication subsystems or if you want to work in, um, you know, it can be the whole systems engineering thing. It's, it's already better than, than, you know, then you can have a list of companies that you can look at and you can, you know, look for jobs and look for portals. Uh, but then if you, if you just want to, you know, get into the space industry, that is too general and, you know, you will not be able to target specifically. So it's important to have, um, you know, a domain of interest uh, at the outset that matches with your profile, of course, you know, because you, you can't get into, um, you know, a, a, an exploration company if your background is in, you know, communications engineering. Do you know what I mean? So it's important to have a realistic ambition as well.
Yeah, those are, I think, uh, extremely good insights. Uh, beyond, you know, the Europe and uh, U- the US geography, do you have a sense of uh, what would be like opportunities, let's say in Canada, Australia, Japan, or many, many other geographies, uh, maybe the Middle East or so on? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, the Middle East is, is an interesting case because the, um, you know, the, the space industry is growing uh, a lot in the Middle East, you know, for people who have been tracking the events in the last few years, there have been, uh, you know, multiple missions from the UAE and uh, there are space agencies established in other countries as well, in Saudi Arabia and Bahrain and and it's, it's, it's a good time to be in the space industry, but then one has to realize that uh, it's, it's a national space agency, although, you know, there can be a couple of companies there, it's still mostly, you know, uh, national space agencies, meaning it is restricted to citizens. Uh, so you can do, you know, some, you can get some type of jobs, but you cannot get, uh, you know, the main job because simply because it's, you know, for the space agency. Um, so Middle East case, but I do, I do know people who have, you know, worked in space, uh, in the space industry in the Middle East, uh, but, you know, not, um, you know, not in, you know, great positions or full-time positions simply because it's reserved for uh, its local citizens. You know, it's the case with any country if you want to get to working for their space agency it's it's it's, it's not possible directly and the upcoming countries like middle east um it, it's hard to do that because most of the jobs available are in uh, uh, in the space agency canada is an interesting case because canada is kind of moving towards um you know uh, you know moving away from the space agency model and there is a lot of companies there local companies so canada could be an interesting option definitely simply because it's also you know, relatively easier uh, to get into Canada from a visa perspective. Uh, there's a lot of, um, you know, companies being set up in Earth observation to lunar exploration to uh, communications, you know, whatever domain you want. There are companies in Canada, meaning there are going to be jobs available soon. Um, you know, MDA is now back to Canada. Uh, there, There is Kepler and there is uh, Skywatch and there are a couple of companies um coming up in Canada. So Canada could be definitely an interesting um, destination to look at. Uh, but then if you're looking at just undergraduate degree, you know, perhaps it's it's also good to consider a master, uh, just depending on what your interests are. Because unless you have studied exactly what you want to work, it could be, you know, it could be a little tricky and maybe, you know, you would feel more comfortable uh, doing a master's degree. And also, um, you know, getting a job is easier if you have a master's degree from the local, um, you know, from the local country. You know, it can be in Europe, in Japan, in in Canada, or even in the U.S. It's just easier if you if you do a master's degree. So it's not impossible to get a job with just uh, bachelor's degrees, but you know, it's probably advisable, especially for for Indians, to have a master's degree, uh, simply because you know they can kind of fill their knowledge gap uh, and also. And I get to know the local environment. So I think that applies to every country. And yeah, going back to your question, Japan Japan is an interesting example again, like Canada, because there are companies coming up um, that, uh, that are across different domains from, you know, lunar exploration, high space to, to space debris and, uh, you know, even Earth observation. Since there are a few companies coming up there. But I think... For Japan, it's still, you know, kind of localized and it's better if you know the language and, you know, the preference tends to be for 
for uh, people who know who know how to speak the language. Um, so it's probably kind of a harder destination, you know, unless one knows Japanese already. Uh, so, you know, the, the smart thing would be to, you know, uh, target, you know, an English-speaking country or where kind of English is tolerated, uh, like, you know, like Australia, which is also, you know, it's kind of nascent, still growing, but maybe Australia, you know, or Canada, you know, looking at a master's perspective, or Europe, uh, if you're kind of aware of what you want to do. And, you know, again, going back to languages, uh, Europe, in Europe, it's it's probably essential to know the language. I wouldn't say it's impossible to get a job without, you know, having a very high fluency of um, French or German or uh, or Spanish. But, you know, it's it's just very good to have that. If, if you're set that you want to go to Europe, then, you know, it's better to pick the language of your destination and start learning it. Um, I wouldn't say you need to master it, but it could get very, very important. I mean, of course, the working language of ESA uh, is, is English, and a lot of people who work in Airbus and OHP and, you know, the new space companies do entertain English, but then the language requirement uh, also comes in in Europe, uh, you know, when you're actually looking for a job. You, you don't want that to be the reason why you're not recruited. In some cases, that, that is actually um, a reason why people are not recruited. Uh, you know, because in Europe, you know, some companies don't really worry about the visa. So, you know, visa is not stopping you. And if the language is really the only reason that's stopping you, then, you know, that's something that can be changed. So it's better to know the language um, in, in Europe. And, you know, Japan is kind of an extreme example because you need to absolutely know the language and, you know, in full fluency. So it could be harder, but in Europe, even if you, you know, kind of intermediate in French or German, it's, it puts you in a much better position to get a job um, than, you know, than if you speak no French or German, because, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's still jobs available, there's still uh, demand for, for technical profiles, uh, and there's a lot of, you know, demand expected in the next few years, so it's just better to know, uh, you know, the language, uh, especially if you're kind of set on moving to Europe. But other countries, I think it's especially Canada, US and Australia, it's, it's, it's much more relaxed. Yeah, that's a very good insight in, in that sense. So one of the things that, you know, people keep asking is uh, if they can, you know, choose a particular area to do like a master's in and then, you know, get into the industry as such. So in your opinion, is it good to, you know, get... Uh, a master's degree or something like that for somebody who's getting out of an undergraduate degree to then, uh, you know, get into the industry? Or, you know, do you suggest that if somebody has experience in, you know, some other sector in, in electronics or, you know, in software design or so on, how easy is it for them to transition into the space industry directly without getting a space-specific uh, education? Uh, it could be easy uh, without having specific, um, you know, space-related education, but at least I would I would recommend, you know, some sort, simply because of the network, you know, it, it's the space industry is a very small industry compared to any other industry in the world, and, and networks and connections go a very long way um, in getting a job. Uh, I myself got a job because... I went to a conference and I was networking and I happened to meet uh, someone who was working um, in my previous company and, you know, that helped me land the position. And, you know, that wouldn't have happened if I was just sitting at home and trying to apply for a job. Maybe I would not have been selected. So it's definitely recommended to, you know, be part of um, a community or a network 
Um, and there are two ways to doing it. One is to go and, you know, join the community, meaning do a master's program and, you know, get into the, get to know the space community locally uh, or, you know, do the ISU, for instance. That's one way of doing it. Uh, and of course, if you're doing that from India, it's, you know, it's, it's harder to do it remotely. Well, today, I think this is kind of how the, the world is, but still, it's easier if you're inside a network rather than an outsider trying to get into the industry. So it's definitely good to, you know, get get into a community like that. Um, but then there's also the the perspective of where or what kind of domain you want to study uh, in order to get a, get into the space industry. Uh, but it, it simply depends on your own profile. If your profile is in software and you want to get into, you know, something that is completely unrelated, then, you know, it's absolutely necessary that you need to do a master's. Um, you know, if, you're, if your background is in software and you want to get into an engineering domain, then, you know, it's absolutely essential that you do a, a, a master's degree in engineering or, you know, aerospace engineering or space engineering uh, in, you know, in, in universities in, um, you know, in whatever your country of interest is. But that becomes absolutely necessary if, if your background doesn't match with what you want to do. But then if you have some sort of matching experience, like, uh, like, a, you know, like we were discussing before, electrical engineering, um, electronics and communication, uh, or aerospace, or instrumentation, whatever your undergraduate degree is in, you, you have more you know, chances of landing a role um, if you do something in the space industry. So you, know, you, can, you can kind of align yourself to go even more in depth into into a space domain you know it can be it can be in you know in systems engineering or it can be in you know if you're a software person and you want to get into uh, satellite imagery and analyzing satellite data and all that then you can do you know degree focused on space applications uh, or you know earth observation and remote sensing it's it's just about how you see your what kind of domain that you want to get into uh, and that's why you know going back to the point I was mentioning earlier is to identify what is the domain you want to get into because getting into the space industry is one thing but then getting into what domain of space industry is, is another important thing because the masters is going to be defined by that because if you want to get if you want to you know become uh, someone who wants to you know manufacture spacecraft that's, you know, that's kind of a general idea of what you want to do. But then operationally, it turns to someone who knows how to do systems engineering. And then you see how your profile matches with that. So I think that's, that's probably the best way to go. You, you kind of see what your, you know, profile is. And then you see what your interest is. And you kind of try to bridge the gap uh, by either doing a master's, a full, you know, two-year master's, or, you know, doing a summer program in, a, you know, a, like ISU, International Space University, like I mentioned. So these are all things that, you know, one needs to make the decision of how to connect the two bridges. Uh, for some people, it's easier. For some people, it's harder. And they may have to do a, a full master's course. Yeah, now that you mention it, you know, when I think about it within Europe, for example, there's a very strong presence of uh, a lot of the Indian students having graduated from places like TU Delft or you know, TU Berlin or many other places uh, and, you know, having ended up in places like ISI or, you know, Rocket Factory, Augsburg or ESAR Aerospace or many, many of these uh, companies. Uh, so 
I think there's a fairly strong community, at least within Europe uh, at the moment for a lot of the Indians, you know, having entered the space industry very recently, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's absolutely true. I mean, it's again going back to, you know, how they position themselves and, you know, they wanted to get into the space industry and then they decided to specialize in you know, do a master's in, you know, a space domain, you know, a master's in space engineering in Delft or in TU Berlin. And then that automatically, you know, introduce them to a community because coming from, you know, from another country, it's important to be aware of, you know, what's going on in the in Europe. And of course, if you're coming from India, it's very hard to know that, you know, a company called ISAR Aerospace or uh, Rocket Factory Augsburg is recruiting. And you can only do that or know that only by being in, you know, the local community, which is why it's important to, you know, um, you know, have a network that, that helps you get, you know, to, to, to know the names and to know the requirements. So it's absolutely essential. And like you said, there are a lot of people who have done it, who are working in, you know, uh, launcher companies or spacecraft companies or um, even, you know, even uh, exploration companies uh, all around the world. But it started with them you know, kind of identifying where their interest is and then going after it. Um, and yeah, so that's why it's important to important to do that. And Europe is, again, becoming a very, very interesting destination simply because there's a lot of, uh, you know, private companies and there's also a lot of demand. Uh, and and frankly, there's just going to be more and more demand in the future. And, and it's only good that, um, you know, Europe, Indians can take advantage of that in Europe. Yeah, there's uh, one extreme set of people who are often, you know, bombard messages saying, I want to be an astronaut at the end. So there's this uh, group of people who also, I mean, it's not wrong to aim to be an astronaut by any means, but uh, a lot of the nationality and a lot of the restrictions around it make it very, very hard to choose. Uh, I mean, what would be your advice to a lot of this kind of people who are, you know, looking to pursue a career towards being an astronaut? But having to deal with a lot of restrictions from, uh, you know, being able to come from a background of, you know, coming from India, for example. Yeah, no, that's that's a good question. But I mean, first thing first is it's, um, you know, if you want to be an astronaut for a space agency mission, it's 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 going to require a few years uh, of, uh, you know, your education and your training and, uh, you know, your work experience. So. In the 20s, it's probably going to be, you know, it's probably going to be bad news for people. But in the 20s, it's probably going to be almost impossible uh, to, you know, even if you start very early, simply because, you know, we are, uh, you know, we, we are not belonging to the particular nationality. But even if you are, it's going to be, you know, if you're a European or an American, um, unless you want to, you know, go into a, you know, like a suborbital mission from a Blue Origin or, you know, things like that. It's still going to be very hard if you're in your 20s. But what you can do is, you know, have um, have, a, have a set plan. And the plan can be based on, you know, where you come from and what you want to do in the future. Because if you were, if you want to be an astronaut, you have to specialize in one area. And you cannot do that uh, unless, you know, unless you have a few years of experience. Because... Unless, you know, unless you're very, very kind of uh, smart and you have a bachelor's degree before you finish, uh, I don't know, 18. But realistically speaking, you know, you need to do a bachelor's degree. And then if you're from India, then you need to move to a country of choice where you have 
uh, a more likelihood of becoming an astronaut. You know, that includes, there aren't a lot of countries, to be honest, you can even just be in India and hope that in a few, you know, five, ten years, we will have a, a human space flight uh, kind of industry going on. Right now, it's just going to be only restricted to professionals, uh, at least for the Gaganyan mission. But in 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 uh, in Europe and in US and in Japan and in the UAE, four countries uh, that I can think of, China, if you want to include five, um, it's 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 going to be very very important for you to move there and you know become one of their own in order to be considered for their missions because that's the only way that you know you can realistically kind of achieve your real astronaut uh, ambition. Uh, you know, if you want to move to the U.S., you finish your undergrad in India or do an undergrad in the U.S., try to, you know, uh, become a Euro, uh, European citizen or American citizen, and then, you know, do a Ph.D., uh, you know, which means that you specialize in the topic. Your specialization can be in biology, it can be in, in just in aerospace engineering or in, you know, um, the, the pilot, uh, you know, the aviation side of things. So you can, you need to specialize that. It can be in Europe, it can be in any country, but this is absolutely necessary uh, simply because we don't have the citizenship. So we need to move there, wait a few years, become a citizen, and then, you know, be considered. Uh, if, if you're really smart about it, I don't think it's impossible because, you know, if uh, one moves to Europe, let's say France or Germany, you can get a citizenship in five years, five to seven, eight years, depending on which country you're in. And then... You know, you need to specialize in a particular domain, you know. So if you give yourself kind of 10 years, it's not impossible for you to submit an application as a European, uh, for a European Space Agency mission, uh, the same with NASA. It's not impossible that you cannot submit an application. But the reality is you need to become a citizen. And it's, you know, it's easier in some countries, easier and not easy in other countries. But the absolute requirement is for you to become a citizen. And it is going to remain that way, you know, for the foreseeable future. So it's, you know, it's smart that, you know, you move to the country early on, start to blend in, uh, you know, decide to specialize in a particular topic and then, and then, you know, try to become a, try to become an uh, uh, astronaut or submit an application for an astronaut because, you know, you need to first fulfill the main criteria that you have, uh, you're in good health and you're a citizen of this country. So it's important to kind of work towards that. Of course, I have seen there are other, you know, astronauts, uh, you know, simulation missions, uh, you know, those things. Uh, you One can do that, but, you know, if you're happy to settle for that, you can definitely aim for that. There are things like POSIM, there are things like, uh, um, yeah, the, the missions in Antarctica, in, you know, in the Arctic's, where you can go and kind of simulate or, you know, even in U U.S. and Utah, which kind of simulates Mars. Uh, so, you know, Mars, um, they call it Mars missions, but at the end, you know, they are still simulation missions. But if you're happy to settle for that, you can still do that, you know, but you need to pay for it and you need to, you know, just uh, go and do some research activities there and then come back. Uh, you know, you can, you can kind of, Think of that as kind of um, a way to quench your astronaut thirst. But then if you want to become like a real astronaut, I think, you know, going to the country and, you know, specializing in a topic and then spending a few years working on your, you know, astronaut uh, profile and then submitting an application is what uh, it is, is, is probably 
I can think of. I don't think there is anybody who has done that, but I don't think it's impossible. I don't know what you think, but it's it's pretty. It's it's not. Yeah, it it requires ten years. You know, you need to get the citizenship. You need to speak the language. You need to kind of become a citizen of that country. But then it, at that 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 point, if you are you know in good health and you are specialized in your field, then you know you can get submit your applications. I mean, that's kind of my perspective. I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think uh, you know the same in that sense where it becomes extremely difficult if you are not within, let's say, at uh, the moment, for example, with the military in India to get se- selected for the astronaut corps, and it'll take a while for uh, civilian astronauts to come up in India, and especially you know their roles uh, uh, should be somebody who is also possibly a civilian astronaut who is working for government institutions in India, not likely a private citizen or a private. Uh, you know, university or private research uh, person. Of course, yeah. I mean, I think that it's going to kind of become more and more uh, interesting for civilians in the next few years, simply because there's going to be more and more people launching. And, um, you know, not everybody needs to be, you know, an Air Force pilot or, uh, you know, uh, an Indian Air Force pilot. I think that requirement is going to go away in the next few years. But, yeah, if you're starting now, uh, then, you know, your ambitions are realistically, you know, 10 years away. Uh, you can kind of plan backwards uh, for 10 years because I think by the by 10 years' time, there's going to be, you know, some relaxation and rules and, you know, a lot more people can start applying for it. It's, it's you know, in Europe, it is already uh, changing in the U.S. as well. Um, you know, not everybody is, uh, you know, an Air Force pilot in U.S., but, you know, that means that, even normal civilians who have, you know, extremely good profiles uh, have a chance. But then, you know, you have, uh, you should just work towards it. I think that's kind of um, the important bit. So let's, uh, you know, jump to the skill sets for some of the roles. And, you know, given that you have uh, a background in the software industry and then consulting and so on, and you have an extensive background now in the earth observation domain and so on, what do you what do you think are uh, you know some of the core skill sets that young people today should be focusing on to enter into the space industry? Uh, yeah, so from a skill set perspective, um, well, if you want to get into you know well if you, if you look at uh, if you look at the space industry in in two ways, one is the upstream perspective, one is the downstream perspective. The upstream is you know a lot to do with hardware, uh, so a lot of engineering. Uh, on you know the mechanical engineering, um, aerospace engineering, and uh, you know electrical engineering, all that. So the upstream perspective requires you know of course you to have um, you know the right technical skills, and if you want to get in there and you want to make a, a spacecraft, uh, you know all that is very important in the upstream side. But then you know going into what is the type of satellite you want to work on. Um, you know, you if your interest, if your background is in communications, then you know you can work on uh, communication satellites and you know projects related to communication satellites. If your background is in instrumentation and you know remote sensing and all that, then of course you can go on and you know work on Earth observation payloads and also exploration payloads because at the end of the day, a lunar mission with a, with a spectrometer for monitoring is the same as an Earth observation mission monitoring the earth so you know if you have any sort of remote sensing skills or uh, 
or instrumentation skills, they're, they're going to be very, very useful in the upstream side. Or, you know, even if you're just a physics major or if you just have a scientific background, it's still very important in the upstream uh, industry to design future missions, you know, in the upstream uh, side of things. And uh, yeah, I focus more on the downstream side of things and simply because my background is in software and, you know, I'm more focused on the application side. It's, it's, it's even more reachable for people, I feel. The upstream is kind of limited for you to have a background or some skills. For the downstream, I think, depending on where your background is, it's very easy to get into the space industry uh, from a downstream perspective. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're an electronics and communications engineer, you can get into any, uh, you know, communications company, uh, any satellite operator who's uh, making communication satellites, because I know plenty of people who, you know, who just had uh, a pure uh, communication, electronics and communications background, and, you know, they got into, they got into space companies, and simply because they just have uh, the same skills that can be applied to, you know, a, a communication satellite. And it's even more easier if you have, a, you know, a background in data analysis and software and, you know, if you are able to build a software. It's the same as building a product that is based on Earth observation data. So I, because I was mentioning in the beginning of the podcast, Earth observation is just another type of data. And people who are building products based on uh, satellite data, they are still building a software product, meaning that you still need to know how to code. You still, you know, need a front-end engineer, you need a back-end engineer, you need to have a database, you know, it's all very similar to having a software background. So for people who want to get into the space industry and you have a software background, it's very, very easy. It's, uh, you know, you just apply your skills in uh, building software and you just try and, you know, know the basics of some sort of earth observation and then you, you know, get into the earth observation industry and build products. And you can even diversify if you want into building flight software, avionics, and uh, you know there's a lot more software components in in uh, in the upstream world these days. So you know if you're in the software industry, you can even you know move and you know build softwares for rockets, for launchers, or for satellites uh, because you know they are becoming autonomous, uh, more and more autonomous. So your software skills are actually going to be useful in both upstream and downstream. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, interesting that people don't connect the dots. But at the end of the day, you need to know the, you know, how a spacecraft works. Of course, if you're building a software and you have, you have experience building a, a website, it's not going to be the same as you building a launcher software. But if you know the basics and if you have, you know, a master's degree or if you do a course in understanding the fundamentals of it, you can even kind of apply your skills there because at the end of the day, they are going to build software and the skills that are needed for building software are going to remain the same. And yeah, so it's easier if you have software skills actually to get into the space industry because you can just come and apply your skills while knowing some fundamentals of space. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I would see it. Um, and of course, there is the the there are other you know the other two domains that I talked about, the legal and the medicine. It's still tricky, but again, that is also something that you can get in. I know people who uh, have you know been lawyers before, and they were just interested in space, and they decided to do a course or something about uh, in ISU or you know do a master somewhere. And then understand how the space industry works and now they apply their 
lawyer skills in the space industry. So, you know, again, the law doesn't change or the way you understand the law doesn't change. Uh, and there are going to be, you know, some lawyers needed to, to write more space policy for the future. And, you know, lawyer, if you have legal skills and the same with medicinal skills, um, it's probably going to be a little important in India as well because of Gaganyan mission coming up. So if you are, you know, having some sort of medical skills or uh, skills, you know, as a doctor, then you can definitely diversify again into the space industry because uh, it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a very exciting industry because it's where all the skills kind of come together. Um, you know, even if you are an artist, for instance, there are a lot of interesting, you know, aspects coming up because people want to send their art to space or people want to, you know, design um, architecture for, 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 for spacecrafts and for, uh, for human-rated flying missions, meaning you can get to, you know, if you're an architect, uh, you can then, you know, apply your architecture skills for the space industry. So, you know, it's it, irrespective of the seller skills you have, it's just about how you want to try and use it. And that is, I think, the key point uh, of, of getting into the space industry. Whatever skills you have, you just need to use it in a smart way. I think one of the things that we possibly missed is uh, the talk about uh, potential scholarships for people. Because there are, of course, a lot of scholarships in many other sectors or many other subjects and so on. Um, do you know like any space specific uh, scholarships? Like, for example, I when I studied, I got uh, the French government scholarship to study in France for uh, uh, my education in Europe. So, but I don't imagine there are very many of them. There, there aren't particularly a lot specifically for the space industry, but then if you want to go into a particular country, I think the country has, you know, quite a few scholarships. I think the relationship between India and France has been improving a lot in the last three years, and there are a lot more scholarships available for people for coming into France. And as you know, France is, you know, one of the uh, big uh, countries in Europe for space. And, you know, if you want to get into the space industry, you can come down to study in France, uh, both from an engineering perspective, also from a business perspective. Um, so there's a lot more scholarships available for France um, and uh, Germany as well. Germany has been an interesting destination. There has been some interest in, um, in Sweden and Italy as well for doing uh, some master's courses, but the scholarships are less uh, available. But I think the most uh, scholarships are available, at least in my perspective, are in France and Germany, uh, at least from a European standpoint, um, for US as well, it's 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 kind of a different story because it's um, it's probably a little more expensive and different types of scholarships are available. But I don't think it's as much as uh, what you would get in uh, in Europe. I think in Europe, France and Germany are probably the best um, countries to look out for. And uh, you know, the, the thing is, there's no space-specific scholarships, uh, you know, it depends on the university, maybe they have a scholarship, for example, ISU has a scholarship for people who want to come and study, um, and, you know, it's probably the same case for other universities, but not specifically for the space industry, perhaps that's something that, you know, some, um, some, some universities will start to do in the, in, in the next few years, because there's a lot more courses coming up. Uh, there's a new Space Masters uh, that has been started in Luxembourg. Uh, there's another Space Masters that's uh, from the Erasmus uh, that is going on. Uh, so maybe there are, you know, a lot more going to come.
lot more scholarships going to come in the next few years. Yeah, the one that I recently remember, which is quite interesting, is the, the Kalpana Chawla scholarship for ISU for uh, women from India. Definitely, if you're, you know, if you're interested to get into the space industry and, you know, if you're a woman, then it's definitely something worth considering. But also, I have to say, it's very getting more and more competitive because there are only like two, three or, you know, maximum five people that can uh, they can support and i think it's getting very very popular so you know you need to have a very strong uh, profile or a very good motivation to to get in because you know this is one of the very very few scholarships available for space people yeah and today you know as of uh, now the increasing requirements on uh, the data you know a lot of people including amazon microsoft getting into the space industry you have cloud you have uh, you know artificial intelligence machine learning a lot of those things coming into the space industry now so uh, what kind of roles uh, you know which will, will all of these open up for a lot of the people coming up because i'm sure that there's a lot of people in india who are you know cloud specialists and uh, artificial in intelligence and machine learning enthusiasts and so on so what are the kind of opportunities and uh, that can bring to them and what you see you know as possibilities for them yeah, it's um, it's it's a very exciting time to be if you you know if you have some kind of uh, skills in the um, in the software side of things. It can be in cloud, it can be in artificial intelligence, it can be just in data analysis uh, as data scientist. It's um, the, the entry of you know the so-called big tech into the space industry is is actually very very interesting because now you have. Uh, all sorts of roles that you know you had only in the software industry also being open up opening up for for uh, for space um, for the space industry because you have uh, you know like a um, uh, like a communications role you know they are trying to build ground stations so you know if you have some you know experience in the communications electronics and communications industry that can be you know one entry point um, for Amazon and Microsoft because they are also you know starting to own and acquire ground stations for themselves so there's the you know the communication side of it and of course the software side of it um, you know if you have uh, experience in working with cloud or even working with AWS or Amazon you can just apply your skills very directly uh, for you know for getting into Amazon or for Azure of course it's still in the starting stage I wouldn't say that there's a lot of jobs available for that there's only you know very few uh, you know this year but in the next few years it's going to only get bigger and bigger because people are going to use amazon and azure to develop solutions based on data from space uh, so it's, it's only a matter of time before people who are able to build products uh, based on cloud and artificial intelligence for another industry can also do it for the space industry now so it's 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 going to be very very easy to apply your skills um, while working for them or for you know or for another uh, company that is also you know building solutions using cloud you know like i said in the earth observation domain there are multiple companies who are building products uh, software products at the end uh, using uh, earth observation data and they're all going to require people to you know know uh, the cloud skills or artificial intelligence skills and you know companies like isai if you go and look at isai they are even organizing webinars for people to to, for people with software skills to to you know to get into the space industry and the webinar is basically ISI telling people with software skills that they need them and uh, there's a lot of demand 
and they just need to go and apply. And the requirement is just for them to know how to build um, a software product. So they have a full stack engineering experience or a back-end engineering, front-end engineering. And ISI is ready to, you know, give them training on the space side of things. So, you know, the demand is still there. You just need to know, uh, you know, how to build a software and you have some, you know, at least a couple of years of experience to to prove that. And yeah, companies are even, you know, ready to take you in, train you for what you need uh, and then, you know, get you to work. So it's becoming more and more accessible, um, especially for people with software skills. Yeah, I think it's a pretty bright future in terms of jobs uh, as to what was maybe 10 years ago to what it is uh, as far as today is kind of concerned. Uh, I guess. Uh, so in all, I think uh, today one of the missing aspects that I also see in a place like India is um, a lot of the business research community, even let's say maybe the IAMs or uh, uh, some of the more statistical driven institutes also to use space data and also to use uh, case studies from the space industry itself. Uh, what is, you know, what can we do to encourage a lot of this so that even a consulting firm like uh, you know PwC or NSR or whatever it is, which have been in Europe and US, those kinds of uh, consulting companies can be actually also created out of India. No, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 not it's not you know a completely different domain, and we have also a lot of case studies and needs actually to to satisfy in India. So. The, um, I think the key point is introducing this in the, into the, you know, the education system and having people think of space as not just, um, you know, exploration and going to Mars and Moon and, you know, making it as, as uh, important as any other industry in your case studies. You know, if you're someone who's doing, uh, you know, who's in the business school and you're having case studies in automotive, in, industri- in manufacturing or in e-commerce or in software, I don't think the space industry should be, you know, kind of excluded there because now it is becoming a, an industry, so to say. It's not just a research domain. It's also becoming an industry now. So it should be, you know, starting in the university side of things so that people are starting to look at space as, you know, a place to work or a, as, a, as a, something that generates commerce rather than just a research field, which is kind of how it has been kind of portrayed in India, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, I'm sure even from your side or from my side, they don't kind of understand what I do in the space industry. And a lot of people think I am working for NASA or for a, a space agency. And, you know, the, the kind of reach well, of uh, people is not as much as, as you would expect. And I think it is, it's simply because of, you know, the lack of exposure to the industrial standpoint. And I mean, the 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 new space companies growing up in India is only going to change that because companies I think people are starting to realize that there are companies that can be established there can be you know team team and this was a good case study there that you know there can be a company that can send um, you know uh, spacecraft to the moon or and then you know companies today Pixel or Agnikul or you know Drua or Bellatrix and all the new space companies coming up uh, they are all kind of case studies of how you can, you know, actually start a company in the space industry, which is, you know, which 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 was not possible at least um, a few years ago, and you know, these are all case studies that need to be established in the education system, 
but also I think even after that, I think it's up to you know people to to, to kind of realize that there's going to be a need. Uh, you know, if pe- there are plenty of places where you can go and ask for support if you want to start up a software company. I think it's just so many numerous places in India that are available to support you if you want to start up a software company. But for the space industry, I think they kind of lost. And I think there is definitely a need for people to just offer these services because these are all just, um, you know, these are all just, uh, you know, fact fact reports or fact checks or, you know, uh, uh, service providers who just offer consulting these are all ways that you can support the the indian uh, indian industry because there can be someone who who's just interested in you know investing in space and he doesn't know you know how the industry works and he doesn't know how to invest in space there are you know at least i can only think of a couple to three people who are investing in space industry in india and i think there is a lot more people who can be you know um, interested in the space industry it's just that they have nowhere to go to understand so there's definitely a need to offer these services uh, to provide insights on what the space industry is, how does it work, um, you know, where are the opportunities, uh, what or, you know, why do you need to build a rocket, you know, what is the demand for satellites, how much money you can make. All these are possible, you know, services that one can start providing if, if you know, one has the expertise already. So that's definitely um, a kind of a gap that uh, that India has. I think we are kind of dependent on, you know, the the consulting reports and market reports from, you know, the Western companies. But there is also a need to do that specifically for, you know, the Indian ecosystem because, you know, there's it's a huge ecosystem and there's going to be a lot more demand coming up in the future. So it's necessary to specialize that. And, you know, there's definitely a gap that needs to be filled. So Arvind, I think uh, this has been a fantastic conversation. What I will do is I will uh, link your uh, LinkedIn uh, profile in the show notes of this episode so that if people want to reach out to you they can maybe send you a linkedin invite sure no absolutely happy to happy to help out and uh, you know this has been a great episode and thank you so much for spending you know an hour of your time to to recording this and uh, i hope you know uh, things uh, go well for you as you enter from uh, being an independent consultant to doing more and more in the space industry and a lot of people can follow the footsteps uh, that you have uh, laid out for for them to as an example as well so thank you so much again thanks 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 mp